Well, hello, it's good to be with you. And uh, if this is your first time checking us out online, I love the fact that you're with us and uh, hopefully I get a chance to meet you someday. It was awesome to see a lot of you last weekend at our Mother's Day drive-through. That was a lot of fun and uh, you guys encouraged us as much as hopefully it encouraged you. So thank you to those of you who came out. Uh, I want to tell you this uh, before we kind of jump into what I want to talk about today. Uh, my team and I, we've been meeting quite a few hours talking about what it would look like to begin regathering, to kind of take this journey together. And so as we move towards regathering the church, we have tried to make our decisions in ways that are wise and responsible. We want to move in a way that's wise and responsible. Not only that, but we want to move in ways that have a purpose and that will be effective and ways that will build trust, not only in our campus, but also in our community. So I'm talking with some community leaders. And then we want to shine the lights as bright as we can on Jesus as we love others in our community. And so uh, as we do that, we kind of got some plans in play. And I want to give you a date today that you can circle on your calendars. But we are going to begin kind of walking into this with you June 14th. June 14th will be the first time where we will begin regathering in person uh, as a church. And so you can circle that and be looking for communication. That gathering and that experience more than likely will be outside to start with. And then we'll little by little get to the place where we'll be able to begin gathering in the building. Here's the deal. If you're not receiving emails from us, please contact us. Please communicate with us. We would love for you to be getting our emails because that is the way that we will predominantly be communicating these changes as we walk into this together. And so we're really excited about it and it'll be exciting to see you and you can begin looking forward to that and uh, praying towards that time together. This morning, I'd love to just uh, grab your Bible wherever you're at and whenever you're, li maybe you're listening to Saturday night, maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night, Grab a Bible, go to 1 Peter, open it up, 1 Peter chapter 2, that's where we're at. We're taking a look at this letter, letter written by Peter, guy who was this passionate fisherman, became this passionate preacher, right? And he's writing it to real people. And so we're in 1 Peter 2, and we said this, that the tagline for this whole conversation that we're having is all about living hope while living here. We started by saying living hope is something that I can have. It's a gift that I can have because of God's mercy. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. He gifts it to me. And here's what living hope <clears throat> as a gift provides for me. Living hope provides for me an opportunity to have a fresh start. That's a new birth. Right? I can have a fresh start, new beginning in Christ. I can be forgiven of my sins, have a relationship with God. I also can have a secure future. This living hope gives me a secure future. And so I have an inheritance, we said the first week. But here's where I want to lean in today. Not only does it give me a fresh start, a secure future, but this living hope gives me a new identity. Living hope gives me a new identity. And that is so important because living hope while living here lives out a new identity. And that is important because my identity is what drives my behavior. I've said it this way before. Maybe you've heard it, me say it this way. But here's the deal. When I know who I am, then I'll know what to do. I was reading an article some years back about a doctor, this is fascinating to me, a doctor who had this trauma and he hit his head and he woke up the next day and he did not know who he was. There's actually a 
term for this, a medical term, post-traumatic stress amnesia, right? And so this guy one day was a doctor, had this trauma, the next day didn't know who he was. And because he didn't know who he was, think about this, he didn't know what to do. He woke up the next day, he didn't know he was a doctor, he didn't know he should go to the office, he had no idea he should help heal people, he had no idea, because he didn't know who he was. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine waking up tomorrow, not knowing who you are? If I woke up tomorrow and I didn't know who I was, I wouldn't know what to do. You see, that's why Peter is writing the section we're gonna look at today. Peter is writing to people who have gone through trauma and stress. They literally have had the legs taken out from underneath of them. They've been scattered. The people he's writing to are scattered throughout what we now know as Turkey. They have undergone persecution. Uh, the government's led by a guy named Nero. If you know anything about Nero, it wasn't pleasant. There's political persecution, social persecution, religious persecution. They're having a hard time. And so he's writing to them because in the middle of their stress and their trauma, he doesn't want them to have post-traumatic spiritual amnesia. He wants them to remember who they are. And so he goes to great lengths to remind them of who they are so that they'll know what to do. Last week he started and he said this, you're part of the family. If you have a rebirthing story, you're part of the family of God. And I've heard from some of you and you say, I have a rebirthing story. That means you're a child of God. That means you belong. And because you belong to the family of God, you've tasted the goodness of God. And because you've tasted it, you crave it. And because you crave it, you grow up because of it. You're part of the family. What he's gonna do today is he's gonna just change imagery on us. And he's gonna go from saying, hey, you are part of the family of God. Now he's gonna take us and say, I wanna illustrate it with a building. I wanna illustrate it with something that God is building. Look at what he says. You have your Bibles open or you can follow here on the screen. He says, as you come to him, that's Jesus, the living stone, he was rejected by humans. And Peter would have seen that. He would have visually seen that, right? He was there and would have seen the crucifixion, but chosen by God and precious to God. You also, he's writing to these people, they're scattered and he's writing to us. Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. He goes on to say, now to you who believe, we're gonna get there, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Here's what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is a living stone in this building, the church that God is building. That's what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is the one God chose. He's precious. He's the cornerstone. This thing that God is building called the church revolves around Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's built on Jesus. And all he's saying is this, I want you to know who you are. And he's using this imagery of a building, a building that God is building. 
Now, stop with me for a minute. I think this imagery would have meant something really, really special to Peter for several reasons. First is this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you can go to John 1. You can check me on this. John 1, when Peter first came to Jesus, his name was Simon. And actually, Jesus renamed him. And he says, you'll be called Cephas or Peter. And do you know what Cephas or Peter means? It literally means rock. I like to think of it this way. Peter was the original Rocky. That's the way I like to look at it, right? Like his name actually means rock. And I think as Peter is telling these people this, these people he's writing 1 Peter to, I think it would have resonated with him. Beyond that, Jesus had a very telling conversation with Peter that I think would have made this portion of 1 Peter pop. In Matthew chapter 16, there's this conversation that Jesus has with him when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Let me just stop for a minute and say it this way. You won't know who you are till you know who he is. I think that's what he's saying. Like the first question I got to answer is that. So they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he says, well, I don't wonder what other people are saying. What really matters to me is what about you? Now, that's the question for you today. Who do you say Jesus is? He asked, who is it that you say that I am? What's well, interesting, what happens next, because Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter says, I believe you are exactly who you have been saying you are. That would have been a huge statement. Like Peter's going out and he's saying, I believe you're exactly who you said that you are. Which led Jesus to say this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. And look at this, I tell you that you are Peter, your name means rock, and on this rock, on Peter? No, on the fact that Peter said, you are the son of the living God, you are the Messiah. On your declaration of faith, I will build my, what's it say? Church. That's this building God's building. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Let's take a minute. I got to talk to you for a second. How appropriate for us to be in this part of 1 Peter to look at what Jesus talked to Peter about during this time we're going through. Here's why it's so appropriate. Because we are not, listen close, I don't want you misquoting me, right? We're not going to reopen the church. You know why I say that? Because the church that Jesus is building has never been shut down. It's so important that we see this. We're going to regather the church. The church is never shut down because hell can't stop it is what he said. I love that. You see, here's why it's important. People who get wigged out, and maybe it's you, about the church not being able to meet in a church building. And I get that. I miss gathering. I miss gathering just like you. 
But, but people who get wigged out about it and say, man, I, I, I'm so bothered by it, might be missing the central tr- truth that the church that Jesus is building is not confined to a building. It's not confined to a day of the week. It's not confined to a service. He's building something different and unique. He's building a church or a building that's not made of bricks and mortar. The building that Jesus is building is made up of transformed lives who have said yes to him. That's the church. And you know something? The church that he's building happens to to be built at a greater intensity when it faces opposition and challenge. Those who thought the church was closed... Those who thought that during this coronavirus the church was closed, they they might be at risk of not knowing what the church really is. Some people are more attached to going to a church building than actually being a part of the church Jesus is building. And that's why this section is so important. Because Jesus is doing something profound and I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. So how in the world does that happen? Well, let's look back at 1 Peter. It says, as you come to him, that's Jesus, he's the living stone, all revolves around him, rejected by humans, they killed him, but God chose him, and he was precious to God. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. What's Peter saying? I want you to write it down this way. He's simply saying this, I become a living stone in this building that God's building, in the church that Jesus is building, when Jesus becomes precious to me. Now just write it down, I wanna explain it. When the one who's precious to God becomes precious to me, then I become a living stone in this thing that he's building called the church. Now let's just stop for a minute and recognize something. There's a problem, and here's the problem. The problem is, is with the word precious. Because the word precious, my guess would be, as you're sitting there watching this, my guess is when you think of the word precious, you think of your crazy aunt when you were a kid walking in the house, grabbing your cheeks like this, right? And say, oh, you're precious, right? Anytime I send a video of my grandson to my mom, it's her great-grandson, right? She'll send me back a text saying, oh, he's so precious right? We have this kind of cute little pinch your cheeks kind of view of what precious is. And that creates a problem because that is how many of us see Jesus. Many of us, we proverbially pinch Jesus' cheeks and saying, he's precious, right? Like he's such an inspirational teacher. He's a fine example. He was a respected leader. Like he's precious, and we miss what Peter's saying because the actual word that he would have used here had punch to it. And it meant something that's treasured above and beyond anything else, that he is precious. Here's what I know. I know that we all have things that are precious, but what is precious to us and treasured by us changes according to our circumstances. Imagine... Imagine that you have your dream house. And imagine that you not only could afford your dream house, but you also went out and got your dream car. And they're precious to you. You treasure them. But imagine while having your dream house and your dream car, 
you came down with a deadly illness that could only only be remedied by a very, 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 very expensive medicine. And imagine that the only way you could afford that medicine was if you gave up your home and your car to afford the medicine. All of a sudden, your home and your car, which were precious to you, don't seem as precious as the medicine that would give to you life. You see, here's what I know. Pete, or Rocky, however you want to call him, he wants us to see that as long as we pinch the proverbial cheeks of Jesus, he is simply going to be an inspirational teacher, a fine leader, but we'll have a tendency to simply want to, listen close, make him part of our life. I'm going to tell you something that might confuse you. I want you to stay with me. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. As long as he's like an inspirational teacher and only part of my life, I'm going to be a dead rock. I'm going to be a dead rock. You see, Jesus doesn't want to simply be part of our life. But what Jesus desires is he wants me to see him as precious for life. That without him, I have no life. I need Jesus to live. And it's not until I recognize and embrace the reason why God sees him as precious that he'll become precious to me. And only then will I become a living stone in this thing he's building. You see, Jesus becomes precious to me when I realize that he was rejected so that I could be accepted. You know why? He was rejected so that you could be accepted. You know why? because you're precious to him. He was killed so that you could live. He was killed so that I could live. You know why? Because we're precious to him. You see, only when I begin to get my head around that, it's only when I say yes to Jesus and realize that he's precious and believe and put my faith in who he is and what he did that all of a sudden I will become a living stone in this church, this building that he is building. Listen, I want to talk to you. I just want to talk to you. I can go back to a church building. I can attend a church service and still not be part of the church that Jesus is building. You see, the only way for me to be part of the church that Jesus is building is for me to see him, like Peter said, as precious, as necessary for life. And when I say yes to him, I realize I go from being a dead rock to a living stone. Are you a living stone in the church Jesus is building? If you're not, why not today? Don't wait until we begin to regather in a building. Why not become part of the church he's building today? Right there in your living room, you can talk to God and say, I know that you love me. I believe you love me, and I believe Jesus died for me in my place for all the things that I've done wrong, all the things in my life that aren't right, the sin that I was born into. And today I'm saying, yes, Jesus. Yes, I today trust and believe that you are exactly who you said you were, and I trust in what you did for me. And I believe you're alive and you are a living stone in this building that now I've become a part of. This church 
figuratively speaking, made up of people whose lives are transformed by Jesus. Man, if you had that conversation with God, I'd love to hear from you. Because Peter has some things to say. That once I see Jesus as precious, not like precious, but precious, there's nothing I treasure more. Not part of my life, but necessary. Absolutely necessary to me having life. Then Peter says there's something important for you to see. He says in Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. He's talking about Jesus, a chosen and precious cornerstone. That Jesus is the cornerstone. He goes down here and he says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus is not just the living stone in this building that God is building, but he is the cornerstone. Now, now that would have been powerful imagery. That would have been absolutely powerful imagery. We have a picture here that, that kind of gives us the, the, the powerful imagery that Jesus is making here when he says, I'm the cornerstone that Peter is pointing to is simply this. That back in this time when they would have built a building, the cornerstone would have been the most important part of the building because the rest of the building was anchored to it and aligned with it. I'm going to say it again. It was anchored to it and it was aligned with the cornerstone. What's Peter saying? He's saying this. He's saying, as a living stone, I anchor and align my life on Jesus. As a living stone, somebody who has trusted Jesus, I anchor my life to Jesus and I align my life with Jesus. Here's why that's, that's important. I don't know who all I'm talking to today, but all of you, all of us, me, you, all of us, anchor our lives in something. We all have a cornerstone. And you know how to determine what your cornerstone is? What you anchor your life in? It's what brings vindication or validation to you when the chips are down. It's where you, it's your go-to for your identity. For some of you, it might be this. Well, at least I'm a good parent. Like everything else might be going, but at least I'm a good parent. It like validates me. Or at least I'm a good student. It validates me. Or I don't know what else is going on, but at least I'm a good athlete or at least I'm pretty, you know, or at least I'm successful, whatever you go to when the chips are down that validates you, that, that gives you identity, has probably become your cornerstone. It's what you're anchoring your life in. Here's the problem. When life gets shaken, whatever I've anchored my life in, I need to know is not going to shake, and that becomes a problem if my cornerstone is that I am a good parent. All of a sudden, when my kids rebel, I don't know who I am. If I've anchored my life in the fact I'm a good student, and all of a sudden I get a C in a class, I'm not sure who I am. If I've anchored my, my life in my good looks, and I get a little age on me, <laughs> and those looks fade, I'm not sure who I am. If I've anchored my life in being a successful businessman and my business doesn't succeed or it closes, I don't know who I am. You see, all Peter is saying is he's saying that when I anchor my life in Jesus, I know who I am because I am who he says I am. 
But he's not just saying that. He's not just saying, I anchor my life in Jesus. He's saying, I align my life on, he's the cornerstone. I align my life up with Jesus. And here's why that's so important. Because who I think I am is many times tied up with other people's acceptance of me. And you know what I do to get people to accept me? You know what I'm getting ready to say is true. You know what I do to get people to accept me? I line my life up with them many times. That's why I think Peter says this in 1 Peter 2. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, this living stone who is the cornerstone was rejected by humans. The one I lined my life up on was rejected. The stone I'm aligning my life up on was chosen by God, but many times rejected by humans. And that's what creates the rub. It creates the rub because sometimes to be accepted by people, I got to get out of line with Jesus. Stay with me, the opposite's true. And sometimes when I line my life up with Jesus, it might mean I'm rejected by some people. That's the rub. And we all understand this. And some of you understand this. Some of you actually are going through this right now. In order to keep the friends that you so desperately want, some of you might be high school students, college students watching this. In order to get the friends and keep the friends that you desperately want, in order to do that, you got to kind of get out of line with Jesus because that's really not their gig. Some of you are facing this because in order to keep your boyfriend or girlfriend. And you know, you know, I want to follow Jesus, but somehow they're putting the pressure on Sexually, they're putting the pressure on you. And you know, somehow to keep them and to be accepted by them, you got to kind of get out of line with Jesus. Or for some of you, maybe it's to make it and make a name for yourself in the business world. And you're like, man, if I'm going to get ahead, everybody else seems to be cheating on the corners a little bit, taking shortcuts. I got to get out of line with Jesus. You see, here's what he's saying. When I begin to get out of line with Jesus in order to grab others' acceptance, you know what happens? Jesus, you ready? Has stopped being precious to me, treasured above all else. It's all Peter's saying. He's simply saying the one who is precious to me not only saves me, but the one who is precious to me leads me. He's the one who leads me into abundant life. And I line my life up with Jesus not to be accepted by him. You know why I do it? Because I am accepted by him. That's what Peter's saying. Peter says something else, and I want you to see it because you might have missed it. He says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house. Now, that word you, you just read it and be like, oh, he's talking to me. But if you drill it back into the Greek language that it was originally written in, it's written in the plural. Here's what Peter is saying. He's saying, y'all, turn to somebody you're watching this with. If you're watching, say y'all. That's what he's saying, right? It's plural. It, it, he's talking about more than just you, but he's saying y'all. Now, now, what is he saying? Here's what he's saying. I'd write it down this way. He's saying, when I line my life up on Jesus, I'm linked to others. He's saying this thing that Jesus is building, that I'm a part of, is bigger than me. We're being built together into this thing called the church. 
that if I line my life up on Jesus, I'm going to link my life with others that are lining their life up on Jesus. I think what he's wanting to say is this. You ought to write this word down somewhere if you're taking notes, that we're dependent on each other. Like we need each other. We are the church, not I am the church. In fact, I wrote it this way in, in, in my notes here. And, and if you want to, there's no slide for this, but you got to write this down. If I'm not linked to others, if I'm not linked to others, I'm probably not lined up on Jesus. That's a big statement. I think that's what he's saying. In fact, if you read the New Testament, 59, one another's, love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burden, right? That's what he's saying. It's like we're linked together. If I'm going to line my life up on Jesus, I'm immediately linked to others. But not only are we dependent, I'd write this word down, we're different. We're different. In this building, we're different from each other. You have different gifts than I do. You have different experiences than the people around you do. You have different passions. And I think what he's saying is that even though we're different, we're dependent. He's simply saying this, the picture isn't of a brick and mortar kind of building like this, but he said the picture of the stones, these living stones where there's big, small, different sizes, that we come together. And here's the deal, and our culture needs to hear this. When we're lined up on Jesus, our differences are beautiful. They don't need to separate and polarize and cause jealousy and comparison, but we can appreciate our differences. See, here's why this is important. Some of you grew up in church, and you grew up hearing this, that go to church is the right thing to do, right? And some of you, when we are gathered, here's what you do. When you're not here for a while, you always come and confess to me. Like I'm the Pope or something. I don't know, right? Here's the deal. I want to tell you this. May 2020. Stop confessing to me like that. In fact, I'm not even that. Like, I love it when you come and are part of what we're doing. But what is more important to me is not that you go to church a church building or service, I want you to, but that you become part of the church Jesus is building. And if you're part of the church Jesus is building, you're going to line your life up on Jesus. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to see that you're linked with others. You know what causes us not to be linked with others? Is when we get out of line with Jesus. Honestly. I don't need other people in my life. And all of a sudden we get arrogant. You know what happens? We get out of line with Jesus. And so we don't feel like we need to link with others. No one needs me. I got nothing to offer. All of a sudden we forget who we are and we've stopped being lined up with Jesus. I'm so mad at that person. I could never forgive them. We get out of line with Jesus. You see, here's the deal. When I'm lined up on Jesus, I'm linked to others. That's why I'd strongly encourage you, if you're not part of a group, we'd love to connect you. We have virtual groups. We have groups that are beginning to meet in smaller versions in person. If you've never taken our discovery, I'd encourage you to take it. I'd encourage you to find out how to line up with Jesus in a way that links with others so that we can do what I think Peter wants us to see next. Look at what he says. He says, you also, like living stones, we've talked about that, 
are being built into this spiritual house. What's the point of what Peter's saying? Here's, here's what I want you to see he's saying. He's saying, as living stones, so we become a living stone when we believe and see Jesus as precious, lined up on Jesus, he's the cornerstone, and because we're lined up on Jesus, we're linked together, different, unique, dependent on each other, we provide a unique living space for God. That's what he's saying. It's been a paradigm shift for the Jewish people listening to this because they would have seen the temple as representing right? The place where God's presence was demonstrated, right? That's how they would have seen that. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, yeah, it's not in bricks and mortar, in stone, like physical, it's like in lives of people. He's saying, you people scattered throughout northern Turkey, those of you who've said yes to Jesus and lined your life up on Jesus, you're linked together in a unique way. And as you're linked together, lined up on Jesus, you provide this demonstration to our world of a God. A God who loves you. A God who came to save you. That's fascinating to me, guys. It's profound. Like the world doesn't see God by simply looking at our building. But they see God by looking at the church, people, who see Jesus as precious, lined up on Jesus, linked together, loving one another, caring for one another, preferring one another. Guys, it makes me wonder, what does our world see? What does our world see? How does our world see God when they look at the church? Do they see a demonstration of the Jesus who's building the church? I just wonder that sometimes. Do they see people who are demanding their rights? Or do they see people who are serving other people's needs? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. I'm curious what our world sees. I wonder if they see people who are avoiding messiness. I don't want to get involved. Or if they see a picture of Jesus running into messiness to provide hope and help. You see, we lined up on Jesus, linked together, provide this living space where the world can look and say, what's God like? Can I ask you a question? Some of you watching this would say that you're a follower of Jesus. Would you say your life is anchored to and aligned with Jesus? Or have you somehow gotten out of line? simply so you could be accepted in the business circle, in the friend circle? Have you somehow gotten out of line? Can I ask you this? Are you linked with others? Oh, I don't need that stuff. I don't need other people. Somehow you've gotten out of line with Jesus. Because it's when we are linked up and lined up that we provide this living space where the world can see what God is really like. Can I ask you this? Are you part of the church Jesus is building? Not do you go to church, not have you been to church, not are you excited to get back to church, but are you part of the church that Jesus is building? Has there been a point in time in your life when you recognized how precious he is? Jesus doesn't want to be part of your life. He's precious for you to have life. Father, I pray that those listening maybe would today for the first time say yes to Jesus. 
And I pray that they would see what you did and who you are and that they would embrace that by faith, become part of the church Jesus is building. And God, my prayer is that the church that you're building here in Norton, Ohio, would be lined up on Jesus, anchored in Jesus, linked together uniquely so that our community can see a clear picture of who you are and what you're about. God, I pray that we would remember who we are so that we'll know what to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Love spending this time with you. My encouragement would be this. Find somebody and talk to them about some of the things that we talked about today. Uh, if you prayed today, if today was the day you said yes to Jesus, let us know that. And then we will continue to communicate with you as we move towards regathering the church. I love you. Have a great day.